Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Uitari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who likes to get super loaded and then drive his wife home to his three kids. <laughs> Aww. I am the Adam Glass, and uh, I, I don't actually like to do that. I'm sorry, I, I didn't know how to lead into it without implying that it was like a thing you like to do, but it's clearly a thing the character in the movie likes to do. Listen, lots of... It's, it's 1959. It was, a, it was a different time. It was a, like, Okay. I understand that. I, I really do. But I, I want you to process what you saw. You saw a man <laughs> who could barely stand up, and then his wife says to him, you need to drive me home to our three kids. Yes. Like, this dude couldn't operate a goddamn doorknob. Right. He's going to drive home? Well, okay. In 1959, cars were principally made out of steel, so, you know, you could hit anything and they'd, you'd be fine. I, um, I, I understand as long as he that doesn't that hit the true, house. but also not true. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, if you hit another thing made principally of steel, things go real far south real quick. Also very easy to kill anything. Like, he's safe, but anything that yeah, hit, anything in the going road to be destroyed. doomed, yeah. Um, so I'll fall back. I'll fall back on the idea that uh, getting drunk was different in the past. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, like how so? I base this. I base this on a uh, a common interpretation of Jesus among evangelical teetotaler circles is to say that well, the wine wasn't really wine; it was just grape juice. Uh, I mean. But like no, okay. the guy's visibly drunk. That, that the guy's visibly drunk. Work. See, that's my problem with this. It's like I get where you're going with this. Uh, it's a stupid idea, but I get where you're going with it. Um, but um, that being said, he's visibly drunk. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I had grape juice when I was in church, and yeah. but nobody tried to tell me that that's what Jesus made. They're just like, you're not getting wine because you're. But also, the technology eight. to make. Non-fermented grape juice didn't exist until like 1870. Uh, yes, so. there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but he doesn't need technology. Yeah. He's Jesus. Technology, like I presumably he is technology. So, Pat, before we get into the movie, I want to talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. If you're interested, you can go over and support us there. So, over there at the Patreon, for just a dollar a month, you get access to a bonus episode. And you also get to vote on what episode or what movie we're going to watch for those bonus episodes. It's always a non-Criterion film. We usually uh, theme the the votes. but Sometimes it's, the it's, theme is just exclamation points, as it turns out. It's often it's okay. So I make up the theme, and sometimes the the connection between the movies only makes sense in my head. So, uh, especially since they're oftentimes not elaborated to be. Yeah. So so one theme that ended with us watching the movie Them, a 1950s horror movie about giant ants, uh, was triggered by the Criterion film Kill that we watched as part of the uh, right. Samurai uh, movie box set. Um, and the theme was all movies with exclamation points. Um, uh, to be fair, you say horror movie about ants. I say ant documentary. It was very, as It was super movie. informative. It was super informative. It's true, and all the science about ants was was accurate, accurate. to the time. Uh, but ant science marches on. It is not as accurate now. No, no, that's true. But I mean, like, it, but most of the time it was. They did actually a pretty good job. Was like we of saying we don't know why, which right. is a great thing to do if you're like. It's actually pretty clever, right? Because, um, you know, if you were making a do- documentary, you that's what you would do, right? Like we don't know the answer to this yet. Also Presumably, true. you're going to watch a documentary sometime in the future that knows the answer to this. Yes. <laughs> uh, we also watched. Uh, There's one theme that was movies that were condemned as as liberal propaganda uh, by uh, conservapedia.com, which is a fantastic list of films. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, but we ended up watching Ernest Goes to Camp from that. 
Uh, other movies we watched, we did uh, vote on uh, post-World War II American films that dealt with PTSD and ended up watching The Best Years of Our Lives, which is a fantastic movie as well. We have some really great stuff. We watched some really horrible stuff over there, too. Uh, early on, the uh, the themes were a little... Uh, more. I don't know why we watched Critters 2. I don't remember. Um, I enjoyed Critters 2, well, but I don't remember the what the theme was. When when the theme, I'm not sure we always had themes. I think this might yeah. be one of those things where like, I went back and listened to the the podcast when I was trying to put all the videos, all the episodes on YouTube. Uh, it, it wasn't fully successful because I gave, it got really hard. But um, yeah, the one of the things I realized is how far we got into this show before I changed the intro to oh yeah, to be yeah. meaningful it was like episode seventy something. Um. I think maybe we got pretty far into the Patreon before we real like you started actually theming the. Uh, yeah, it takes a while before we figure out what we actually want to think, do with I the project. I think Critters Two was pre-themed because we also watched it a couple other things that were like just random shit we picked because we were kind of like maybe we'll just be maybe this will just be a shitty movie podcast. And like, no, <laughs> right. We don't really want to do that. Uh, we like I said, we've watched some really great movies. We watched some really terrible movies. We have guests over there a little bit more often. It's it's fun. It's always non-criterion stuff. Sometimes we backdoor it and you do movies that are actually in the Eclipse collection but aren't in the Criterion collection. Uh, Which is that, really we, basically cheating. But it's basically cheating. Yes. Um, but uh, but yeah, we have fun over there. patreoncom slash criterion if you want to support us. Like I said, just a dollar a month gets you access to those bonus episodes. A little bit extra, five dollars a month. Uh, we'd like to thank those people on air. So thank you to Kevin Little and Adam Speakerman for your $5 and above support. Uh, $10 and above, we do something that I really love and think is very special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. And I get that printed up on a postcard, write a th- personal thank you note to you, and mail that off. So if you like physical mail and bespoke artwork. Who uh, doesn't? Sign up for $10 and above, and we also thank those people on air. Thank you very much to Jason Westhaver and to Michael McGrath for your continued $10 and above support. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. This week, we are continuing the uh, Monsters and Mad Men box set of films uh, in which the common denominator is that they are all produced by Richard and Alex Gordon, uh, movie production brothers of uh, from Britain. Uh, worked in the U.S. as a, as an import distribution company uh, before starting their own uh, production company back in Britain, as far as I know. Uh, these movies all come from uh, 1958 or 1959. They are sci-fi horror films. Uh, and the box set uh, groups them into two double features. So this is the second of the first double feature, uh, which was First Man Into Space and The Atomic Submarine. And then the second double feature is The Haunted Strangler, uh, <laughs> which stars Boris Korloff and, Karloff, and Corridors of Blood, uh, both uh, historical set horror films, so maybe less sci-fi in those. Uh, both actually star Boris Karloff, by the way. Both actually star Boris Karloff. But yeah. So uh, we look forward to watching those uh, in the coming weeks, but this week it is The Atomic Submarine um, from 1959, directed by uh, Spencer Gordon Bennett, the only in this entire box set directed by Bennett and not directed by Robert Day. Last week it was The First Man in Space, directed by Day, and both The Haunted Strangler and Corridor of Blood are directed by Day. Uh, But this week we take a break from Robert Day for Spencer Gordon Bennett. And the atomic submarine. This is one of the first movies to feature atomic submarines ever. No, ever. Uh, um, but like they didn't invent atomic submarines. No, they didn't. They did it at all. And also, the stock footage of atomic submarines that they use are very clearly different from the model. That they oh yeah, use. no, it's bad. It's bad that way. Hilariously bad. Like lean into it. Bad. Um, yeah, that's one thing about this movie is there's very low budget, but it's it seems to constantly be winking about its low budget. Well, the like weird it, it thing about it, it is, is there's nothing to stop them from making their model match. 
Right. The, the I mean, like, right. it wouldn't be terribly hard, but they just don't care. Right. Which is weird. <laughs> Basically. Um, again, like the rest in this box set, this is low budget film. This had a budget of $135,000, approximate, according to Wikipedia. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it takes place in a near future from 59. Well, uh, because... the interesting. Oh, sorry. The one of the things I'm reading right now is that like only a year prior, the first trans uh, polar submerged transpolar uh, trip by a nuclear powered yeah. submarine like only occurred like one year before this. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, it's not not relevant. I just it's oh, it is interesting. It was really fascinating. Well, like. Like the last film, we're dealing with science fiction on the very edges of science fact. Right, right? but the interesting thing is they do they did a lot more. Like as far as like in terms of science fiction, they did a lot more footwork. Yeah. In, in the oh, sense, certainly. the other one doesn't really imagine a universe any different than ours. Right. Uh, whereas this one proposes like oh like transpolar like uh, shipping has become a thing like underneath yeah. like. We've got this power. We we're all going to well, yeah. use it for everything, and which it's, is like at least that's a, a bit of a leap, right? Yeah, up on tra- sub subarctic transport as being the actual Northwest Passage, and therefore, uh, therefore a shipping and passenger lines start up. Uh, I mean, there is. There is a version of of world history where that would make sense. Um, there is. I mean, it's it's a world in which we decide not to regulate yeah. nuclear power, which is <laughs> right, right, probably improbable. But uh, right. yeah, it could happen, but it didn't. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I guess it, it falls into the category of blimp universes, right? Right, right, right. Submarine universes. Yeah. Why do you think passenger subs have never really caught on? Because submarines suck. <laughs> like not not like not as a tool. Like they're interesting, and they're very useful for what they do. But like no one has ever described. Never have I ever heard a description of a submarine that did not describe it as a nightmare place. Like even the people who do it as their job describe it as a nightmare place, like a necessary nightmare place, but a nightmare place nonetheless. Like it's just everybody describes it as being awful. Like. <laughs> and I presume that's why, right? Like, oh, we also have the option to fly over the North Pole? No, let's go under. Let's go under. Let's do this. Yeah. That's probably true. And planes are just faster, so. I mean, yeah. I, and, like, you, it's not like a plane. Like, it's not like a submarine is going to be so significantly larger than the carrying capacity of a plane that, like, it makes it a valuable effort, Right. Because the submarine's got to be mostly submarine, right? Like a, a submarine's a pretty high percentage of a submarine is is submarine, right? It's fascinating to me that they describe submarines as, as like shipping, doing shipping in this movie, and then like they have a scene where the guys like the guys are like, "Where are we supposed to? St- what locker are we supposed to store these things in?" And the guy laughs because like that's yeah. the real reaction, right? Like we ain't got any extra space. You're gonna carry yeah. that shit for the entire trip. You're gonna walk around holding that because we don't have any space. Whereas, like, it's like, but we also ship with these things? I don't think so. Yeah. So there, uh, there is one one nuclear submarine that might be big enough for it for such a such a venture, the USS Triton, uh, which is the only U.S. sub made with two reactors. Jeez. It was it was built to be the escape pod uh, for the president and the entire shadow government. Oh, okay. There you go. It's basically it's 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 the underground Pentagon of submarines. So it needed two reactors just in case so one. It, uh... it needed enough space and enough power to run the government. Right. Uh, but it was never put into commission because after it was built, someone realized that they would need to dredge the Potomac and deepen it. By hundreds of feet. Just to get it in there? In order for it to be, to function as the thing that they wanted it to do. I really like the idea that, I I feel like it speaks volume of our, of the function of our military industrial complex and our government. 
Did somebody got all the way to finishing the damn thing and be like, um, I'm not going to actually be able to pick up the president in this, you know? Yeah. And somebody goes like, ah, shit. And then the final result is just a USS Triton Mon- Submarine Memorial Park, which is just like the comms area, just slapped on a piece of concrete. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that seems all fitting. This all makes sense. Interesting enough, the uh, the Triton was, uh, I believe, the uh, the first ship to circumnavigate, the first sub submerged circumnavigation of the Earth. Was the that Triton. makes sense? It's probably the first one that was big enough to actually like, yeah, do that right <laughs> to stay Not, under yeah. for that long. Yeah, yeah. No, what, uh, no, what's a really fun thing about looking up, um, uh, uh, looking up uh, things like. USS Triton and stuff like that on on the internet is that you discover there's a person whose hobby on Deviant Art is drawing, I think made up Star Trek bridges, <laughs> which is a really neat thing, right? Like you you be you, man. Like just like different USS insert like made up non-existent Star Trek bridge, and they're all different. Like it's not like I mean he's definitely whoever this is he or she is definitely expressing themselves. They're all yeah. very unique. Uh, it's just a fascinating thing to uh, to put your energy into, and go get them. This is awesome. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so the idea here is that there were passenger and and uh, cargo transport submarines. An idea that is ridiculous because nuclear submarines are purposefully small because it takes a heck of a lot of power to keep them. Yeah. Going. No. Like. Yeah. They. they they're. Yeah. It's yeah. just not going to work. It just doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, oh so, no! The USS Triton's a real Star Trek ship. Oh man! Okay, that also doesn't surprise me. Actually, that doesn't so. surprise me, but like, it's also disappointing because I didn't know that it's true. So he's not drawing made-up ones; he's drawing real ones, which is also great, but like different than what I described. Uh, the the background plot of this then is that <laughs> mysteriously, those passenger and cargo ships start to crash and disappear. Uh, and our our heroes are sent out to investigate what's going on, only to discover a UFO underwater. Well, no, but here's the, okay. You're okay. Let's not jump the gun here because we have things to talk about. Yes, of course. Number one, man driving his family home drunk. <laughs> yes. Uh, number two, the fact that like he what a weird. Ex- I can't. Okay, I need to I need to focus in on these people in their okay. relationship for okay. a minute. Because he's also like doing this weird like wingman shit with his wife there. Yes. Like I don't fully comprehend what's going on there. And partially it's because I can't tell the different dudes apart. So I don't <laughs> know who is who in that scene. But I think he's wingmanning for his friend at a four person party. Yeah, it's a house party where only four people came. So, like wingmanning in that environment is really weird. Also, your wife is there. <laughs> like that's all. That all strikes me as a very strange relationship. Uh, number one, uh, I, 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 I just I don't know having anything else to say about it except for like that's all very confusing to me. Okay. Uh, also, again, I can't tell who's who. Um. Then another thing that I want that's totally unrelated to driving home drunk is the fact that like yes everybody's concerned about the shipping lane shutting down but they don't seem super concerned right and it might be an acting problem but everybody's like well I guess we're gonna have to shut down oh no we're gonna have to shut down the shipping lanes but there doesn't there seems to be a real serious lack of urgency right. Like, they've, like, described, like, oh, we've lost eight ships underneath it. It's like, that seems like a real emergency. Like, that seems like a, oh, shit, we got to get this under control now. But, like, everybody seems to be moving with the sort of speed that, like, if you described it, like, I don't know, like, somebody keeps graffitiing the wall behind the building. Right. Or something like that. Like, oh, the nuclear submarines keep showing up, and they're all, I I can't even think of what would happen to them. They all, they keep losing this one bolt for some reason and we can't figure it out yeah like nobody seems super concerned also it would be it would be very cliche of course for the movie to just jump to say oh it's the russians but 
also check out right? why does no sense. one suggest like like the the tiger shark is sent to investigate well right? but here's the thing the, there's another problem with that this nuclear submarine power world definitely posits there's no cold war that's because where yeah. are they shipping under the south or under the north pole to if not russia that's fair if you go if you go straight out of canada the only thing you're going to hit is russia that's fair. There's nowhere else that's fast to get. There's nowhere else on Earth that is faster to get to via the North Pole than it is to just go around the fucking like, you know, a few degrees south where it's not the North Pole. You know what um, I mean? Sweden. Maybe. Well, yeah, well, I, I, yeah, but that's generally that's essentially sending your boat to Russia. <laughs> I mean, you're not that far. You know, you're not that far. I mean, like I understand what the whole point of the Northwest Passage was before was like, okay, well, we want to go from example England all the way to Alaska. Technically, it'd be faster to go under the North Pole or whatever, right? But like, generally speaking, most of what you're going to run into is Russia, and theoretically, if there's a Cold War. This is untenable, right? Like you. you you're both just going to be having killer submarines just under there all the time. So I propose that somehow, and then also you're in a universe where nobody decided to regulate nuclear power at all. Right. I think we, I'm going to throw this out here. Maybe something, there's, there's a whole other universe. There's a whole other extended universe in this movie. Something really bad happened to the Russians at the end of World War II. Ooh, man, that could be fair. There's clearly no Germans in the sense that, like, they didn't take over. You know, it's not one of those universes. It's not a reverse yeah. uh, Amazon's Man in the High Castle. I say Amazon's Man in the High Castle because it's so far removed from what the actual book is about. <laughs> um, but, like, um, it's not a reverse version of that where they took over Russia. Okay? Because then they would just be in some weird nuclear arms race with the Germans instead, right? So it would be the Cold War or something else with the Russia, right. with the Germans instead. So something terrible happened in Europe. Right. This is this is a universe where where literally the Russians couldn't have done it because apparently they are not a world power at the very yeah, most. Yeah, no, there's one world if power. If they in exist, this period. It's the US, yeah. Yeah. And we're just building submarines because of the same reason we build submarines now, which is we can't stop. Right. Like, the well, now we have we a better reason to build, to build up traditional military forces now, which is it's a fucking disease and we can't stop ourselves. Right, right, right. Once we got through the world wars, we're like, oh no, let's just keep going. Yeah, this is the thing we do now. We got to keep doing it. We will grow exponentially at a purely cancerous rate. And uh... <laughs> until the only thing we have is a military, <laughs> right? That's all that right. will exist. Just fill the world with atomic subs. <laughs> I like this universe too. Where to it's like, point. it's like. You remember? Do you remember in like? I don't know if you you were not in grade school in Ohio, but you probably heard the same thing somewhere else. Which is there, and you know, it's on the History Channel and stuff too. But I remember being told in elementary school about the idea that at one point a squirrel could cross, like all the way from like Ohio all the way to Cal- to Florida without ever touching the ground. That's a thing, right? Yeah. Uh, but I remember it from elementary school specifically. Okay. There's sure. a universe that we've created here where you could walk across the Atlantic just chopping <laughs> from the top of nuclear submarine to yeah, the top of nuclear yeah. submarine without ever falling Absolutely. in the water. Right. Uh, the uh, the new uh, that's how that's how post apocalypse the world will repopulate. It's like people walking nuclear across submarine nuclear submarines. Yeah, I know. It's a bit of a tangent, but I just had to zoom in on this universe that exists because it's right. wild. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, this is... Uh, I mentioned last week, this is a movie that actually faints at a political discussion. Um, it's wrong. I mean, it faints the wrong direction. <laughs> it faints in the wrong direction. This is by no means a liberal Hollywood film. Uh but uh, like the 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 our one of our dudes at the end of the movie literally learns. I guess the military must be a good idea. I guess, I guess war I is good. Engaged. Sorry for being a pacifist. I guess war is good. Yeah, uh, it's the only thing that'll prepare us for alien invasion. Yeah. The inevitable alien invasion is total militarization of our of humanity. Right, right. Uh, but yes, and I'm uh, sorry I was an asshole about it. 
Brett Halsey plays Dr. Carl Nielsen, who is the uh, the pacifist son of the Navy's greatest captain. Uh, and uh, our, our other slash lead... Slash ship designer? Slash ship designer. Naval engineer, apparently. I don't know. That's it's always a thing in movies, right? It's like, oh, the yeah. greatest captain is also an expert ship designer. And Arthur Franz, who, who plays Lieutenant Commander Richard Reef Halloway, uh, because he's a sub-commander, see, so he's got to have a, an underwater-related nickname. <laughs> I wish it would have been like, <laughs> Commander Richard Clownfish Halloway. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only. Uh, who, uh, Halloway, Halloway greatly respected Nielsen's father. Uh, for being the bravest military man he'd ever met, so Nielsen is is spitting on his father's non grave because he's not dead yet. <laughs> but I guess had a heart attack. I don't know. I'm but had had a heart attack, which is why Nielsen's on board instead of instead of the uh, the older his dad. Um, anyway, Halloway's very mad at Nielsen for for being a pacifist. <laughs> Something that no one else seems to care about. <laughs> right, because, like, I mean, legitimately getting angry at people for being a pacifist is a, is a weird thing to do. Like, yeah. it just, it is. Like, he's not, like, it's like, he's got this whole, like, he, you're spitting on your father's name. It's like, I, I don't, like, it doesn't seem like the son is actively trying to undermine him or anything like that. He's right. like, booby, Still like, helped him in Venice submarine. What? Still helped him invent a submarine. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So I'm saying, like, it doesn't seem like their relationship's that bad. No. It seems like you, you, Mr. Reef, have decided to blow this whole thing out of proportion. Yeah. The, these, two, these two seem to have a working relationship where they've agreed to disagree. Which is, which is the, uh, where they get to at the end. Halloway and, and Nielsen agree to disagree. Uh, but, but also, don't, but though, you're right. Because no, Nielsen's Nielsen, like Nielsen changes his mind. That's fair, to, right? To ultra militarism, he's like, yeah. "Yes, the only like, what are we going to do if they come back?" Well, guess that's why we have to have a fucking military, huh? Yeah, because again, right we're in a world where the there's means. no Russia, right? So literally, the only reason you would have a military in this universe is presumably because also we haven't reached any other points of like, like tension, right? So, like, the only reason is, like, well, we got to be ready for them there, aliens. A, a, a universe where there's no Russia, but there are still ICBMs. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I, I buy into it. I have no problem with that. Because yeah. I, 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 am, I think that this movie makes a strong argument that, that American military buildup doesn't depend on there actually being an enemy whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And 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 that like, yeah, of course we would build missiles that can shoot around the world because why wouldn't we? We don't need them now, but you know, we also built a submarine that couldn't apparently fit in the fucking harbor. <laughs> right. Um. I also I also like that that Halloway is apparently someone that the uh, the aliens have heard of. No, yeah, no, the aliens are well-informed. Yeah. Um, ah, Mr. Halloway. And he is he is one of the people that the aliens went to kidnap to take back to their planet to study humanity. Uh, it's such a ridiculous... I love this oh, movie so much. This movie is um, amazing. The, everything so, about this movie is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, the entire last act is, like, the Odyssey with Halloway yep. as Odysseus. Going yep. to meet the Cyclops as his crew slowly dies off. And, yeah. No, uh, there's so there's so much good stuff. Like, I, I I mentioned on Twitter, but like, they just decided because they also frame it as a newsreel. Yes, at times where uh, the, when that they, like, narrator, the, yeah, definitely where the newsreel narrator decides to describe them MacGyvering an ICBM somehow. Yes, because they didn't bring ICBMs. Right, it's very unclear. Because they're like, they're like, it's like we have intercom, we have ICBMs, but then they're like, but we have to build this one so it'll actually hit the ship because something, which they do while the ship is escaping. Like, where is it trying to get? 
It's got a it's got a launch from the pole apparently. Yeah, where presumably like they, the they, ice is thickest. Uh, yeah, I think I think they need to spend a fair amount of time at. They like describe them recharging their batteries using weird magnetics. Yes, yes, a yes, lot. yes, yes. So it seems like the 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 ship has to spend a pretty good amount of time there at the pole to recharge. To yes, yes, that's um, fair. It. I mean, they're 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 pretty this, like they're weird. It does go out of its way to it. Yeah, it explains a lot of things it doesn't need to explain. Yeah, no, you get you get you get a weird you get an associate's degree in fake engineering by the time this is over. <laughs> right. Like you're right. like I now know a lot about the Ameri- the the Earth's magnetic poles and nuclear submarines now. Yeah. Uh none of it's relevant and I can't do anything with it, but here it is. Um, I also I also love that they just started they just decided to start calling the ship the Cyclops. Only to learn that the uh, the ship is an organic ship piloted by an actual cyclops. I know, right? The, which is amazing, right? It's like, yeah. I, I feel like, how did that happen? Like, I mean, <laughs> I know how it happened in like, like. Sometimes you just get lucky, man. Or, or alternatively, you're writing a, a movie and you're like, ah, fuck, just make it the cyclops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, so one of the, uh, well, one but, of the, sorry, uh, sorry. One of the things I no, want to like, it posits a thing that happens in movies a lot, which is not true of humanity or the world we live in, which is the idea. Like it happens in sci-fi movies all the time. We're in like people build their ships to resemble themselves as a species. Yes. yes. Like where it's like, it happens in sci-fi all the time. It happens. It does. And you're like, you're like, like human transportation doesn't look like humans, even right. like a little bit. But we're like we're convinced that aliens will show up and they'll like build their ships to look exactly fucking like them. Is a weird thing, and this this really holds to that, which I love. Right. Uh. So I was going to, was about to say uh, before you pointed that out, which is actually really great. Um. That uh, uh, Brett Halsey, who plays Doctor Nielsen, uh, and is a um, I mean he's in a lot of stuff. Uh, He's in The Godfather Part Three. Um, yeah, I mean, I recognize his. Yeah, his face. You, you recognize him, even even though he is significantly older by the time he gets to The Godfather Part Three. Uh, but uh, he uh, he's interviewed uh, in uh, in a bonus feature, uh, which is also on the Criterion Channel, uh, and it's it's a retrospective on his entire career. But he does talk about the atomic submarine uh, quite a bit. Uh, and he says that the uh, he's not sure what to call it, but he said that everything inside the UFO was filmed with whatever the technological equivalent was gre- of green screen was in 1959. Wow! Uh, I guess it's be like rotoscoping, right? I I don't know. I. Uh, would a chroma key exist, uh, replacement exist at that point that they could just? Can you do chroma key on on black well, and white film? I mean, <laughs> no. Well, that's the weird thing, right? Because like, I what I think must have happened, right, is that like, because like, if you look at, for example, Star Wars or something, right, where like, um, in Empire they had the one of the things they ran into is you could do green screen at the time, but it was pretty pretty bad. Yeah, uh, had like those big black hard edges at the, around it, right. side, and it wasn't automatic. You had to do it manually, essentially. Right. And my guess is this had to be manually too, right? Where they just essentially colored in the areas. I guess. Well, I mean, would it not be like what um, what um, they do with uh, Chaplin does in like uh, in what's the name of that movie? Um, you think Modern Times? Yeah, where it's like layered, like glass plates or something i guess but possibly possibly it could be layered glass would make sense uh in that you know uh, halsey halsey's point in bringing it up is to say that he was uh, that they're acting to nothing uh gotcha um but uh but i don't know he doesn't get into and nothing i can find gets into the actual like tech of how they were shooting. Oh uh, yeah, but you know what? I've seen things like that before in like on uh, documentaries before, where you can do that because you can like literally clip out half the frame. Yeah, you can like stitch two separate uh, because like you know all that makes film sense is the too. same is the same yeah. size. So you can literally like glue two disparate pieces of uh, film frame together. 
and produce that effect. Like you can shoot a miniature on one, right. cut it down the middle, and then glue it to one where. Yeah, all that makes accurate. sense. All that makes yeah. sense. Sorry, I, this is the thing. I this is just an interesting idea yeah. to think about. The idea that that he called it, he he specifically cited green screen in talking about it, and obviously that's not what it was. But also, right? But like you kind of start wondering <laughs> yeah. what it was because it's yeah. a fa- it's like really makes you start thinking, right? Yeah, my mind went all all sorts of places that are probably also. Obviously not what it is. So, but yeah, that would make sense. Just cutting it out. Um, yeah, but you like you never actually see our human actors and the alien on screen together. And right. most of most of them walking through the ship is surrounded by black corridor. Walking, which I down. thought was actually yeah. really pretty good. Like I oh, was yeah, actually yeah, yeah. pretty impressed by by the inside the the spaceship. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Element. I thought it was great. It was really well done. Uh it did a thing that like our previous movie just didn't do, which is it built a lot of tension uh without yes. really showing you anything at all, right? Like it had right. a certain sort of it's weird how much of a um 2001 a space odyssey feel it had to it. Yes. It's kind of fascinating to me that sort of like just that like people walking around inside of an empty space is just a really fascinating uh, thing to see in a movie, and really does build a lot of tension without showing you anything at all, right? Um, I really like that. Yeah. Um, I also thought that the uh, while it was really just the the same damage played in reverse, I thought the effect of the alien healing itself was also really neat. Yeah, it was well uh, done because, like, when you reverse um, shots, like, it sometimes just looks stupid, right? Like, yeah, it worked pretty well. There's a lot. This actually has this movie has a lot to recommend it for, like, a low budget horror film, right? Like, it it's yeah, it doesn't suffer from the problems the previous film did of like pacing and stuff where you're just like, I was I was engaged. It's only 112 minutes long, and I was I paid attention to all 112 minutes, <laughs> right? Like right. partially because I was like, "What the fuck is going to happen?" Like, like a lot of it was like, a, "What the fuck is happening here?" Like, why? Like, because they, they they posit just such a weird universe, right? And then such right. weird things happening within that universe that you're kind of engaged. And then every so often they drop in what's very clearly like bath toys, <laughs> like floating yes. around, which is pretty great. Like, I really enjoy what's very clear like a fish tank. Yeah. Uh, with some some fucking models in it is just and that that spaceship is so bad. I mean, the aliens done well and like the whole inside of it's done well, but man, they really half-assed the actual spaceship. Like they just really like phoned that in. What does the phrase "fortunes of war" actually mean? Um, don't know. Like, I think it just this shit happens. Yeah, I guess. I think it's just the 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 we want to sound like we're really like. Like military pursuits are somehow like a highbrow activity version of well, shit happens. Yeah. Uh, the free dictionary. Uh, dot com in their idioms section says it just means the course and outcomes of war, whether good or bad. Right, uh, shit happens. Afor- apparently, I am just so far removed from war that uh, well, that no. I've never it, never really it, heard it, that phrase in a way that I've... I understood what it meant. I've heard it and I've I've interpreted it as like shit happens, but like, yeah. My issue with it is is that like it it comes from a school of thought where like there's that whole universe where like people act like military commanders and military types are like is it is it is an intellectual and intelligent yes. pursuit. Yes. And like part of that is like having a bunch of quotes from military commanders and saying things like fortunes of war. Which like you really it's you know, you're still just killing people, right? Well that's just the thing, right? But they're killing them intelligently, Pat. Like we did that with sticks and rocks. We've been doing this for a long fucking time. <laughs> like, we've been good at and we've been good at it for a really long time too. Um Yeah, it turns out. One of our primary fundamental pursuits. Yeah. Um, I also like the idea that the the aliens' plan is to actually use these exquisite specimens of humanity to modify their own DNA to That's better. Great. Yeah. Like, what is the self healing alien gonna like get out of human DNA? Yeah. Mm, we've developed something we find radically important. 
male <laughs> pattern baldness. <laughs> we now have it. We think it's their secret weapon. Like a species that can literally travel across the vastness of space gets here and like these assholes who can't even figure out how to like fucking do anything without hurting each other. Oh yeah, we're a species that was able to to get together enough to send people across the stars, and we're gonna get here and we're gonna steal some DNA from these assholes. Yep, one of whom drove drunk yesterday. <laughs> And the other is very, very sad that he lost his little black book. Right, yeah, the other one, yeah. So like, these, these, these jackasses are who we need their DNA to defeat them. Which is, so, which is actually what? kind of, kind of sad that the ship got blown up and that the that the the alien did not escape to his home world with the only thing, only concrete <laughs> evidence of Earth that it has. This is a list of names and numbers. <laughs> it's a little black book. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the the entire alien species dumps a lot of time into interpreting whatever sort of weird symbol like iconography he puts next to the names. Because I assume anybody who has a little black book has this whole like fucked up. Oh, thing. probably. Oh, definitely. Like oh. I've I've seen it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. So like... <laughs> uh, it's just—it's a really relaxed naval ship, too, right? Like, yeah, no, nobody's uh, nobody's real big on protocol. Like the commanders—the commanders supposed to be hard nosed, but like the the frogmen are just. Oh, we didn't know where to put our stuff, so we just left it in a doorway. Yeah, we didn't even like put it in the room. We're like yeah. right fucking here. Yeah. Um, no, it's so good because like what what I love about it, that, but that that plays into what I was talking about. There's no sense of urgency, right, about what's happening, right, until we actually get to the actual alien ship right at the very end. Right, it's like suddenly everybody's like, oh man, we got to deal with this shit. And it's like you guys have been lackadaisical all the way up until now. Like you're really even your whole mission. Your your mission was framed kind of like, well, we better find out what the fuck's happening. I guess. What would, have, what would have happened if they got there and discovered it was just like narwhal attacks? Like narwhals I, decided they really hated the noise of of all these nuclear subs. This is a this. I mean, well, that's the, isn't that the uh, the isn't uh, that that weird low budget horror movie about birds? Basically, that. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I forget what its name is. Uh, you're talking about the more recent one, the uh, yeah, not not the one that came birds. out around the same time as the room. Yeah, um, yeah, that 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 one that gets made fun of all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, I can't bird, remember the name. Of I don't that. know, bird birdemic. I don't birdemic. Birdemic. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Like, isn't that. that? I mean, like that's the. You I know, I got nothing wrong with that. I think I think that's a different movie, which is just scenes of Norwals being blown up. Um, I feel like Besides that a movie nuclear probably, Arctic from space. Uh, kill all the I feel like that's a that's a movie that exists already. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I mean, I was actually pretty pleased to discover it was aliens because, like, I didn't actually see that coming. Yeah, I mean, I didn't read anything about the movie before we got into right, it, and right. I was like, I assumed it was going to be a monster. Like, I assumed like giant, yeah, something, right? Like giant, I don't know, Squid half or polar something, bear, half anyway, shark yeah. or something. I don't know. Um, and then it was an alien, which I thought was pretty fascinating. I thought it was yeah. a good choice. The um, UFO, and I think a lot of underwater. the probably the moviegoers as well, like yeah. the ones who saw it at that time it was released, probably felt something similar. Because if you say like, "Oh, things keep disappearing under the water," yeah. your immediate thought pattern is probably not aliens, right? And then the fact that the movie is just called the Atomic Submarine, not lending any, it gives you no information. It gives, it gives you, you no information about what the what the villain is. Yeah, um, I I absolutely love that. Uh, the uh, the narrator uh, Pat Michaels is just given so much. I don't even know if it's leeway. I don't know if they just told him to make it as over the top as he possibly could. I don't know if it's the script he's reading, but like he describes, it was foolish. It was insane. It was fantastic. 
Uh, yeah, no, it's so good. It's really good. And the, the best hush, thing, and like the hush hush super secret meeting is another phrase from his. That I really yeah, love. yeah, it's great. I don't think I don't think it's in the script. Yeah, I I really like. I feel somewhere deep inside my heart that like that's just not none of that's in the script. Like somebody's yeah. like somebody. I feel like if we were ever to be able to find out this information, I feel like we would learn. They, they shot the whole movie, and they're like, "Oh, we need to do." Uh, I think this would be better framed as a newsreel. This movie is only 85 minutes long. Um, Who do you know? And then they find this guy. Because he has no Wikipedia page. (laughs) He does not exist. The only Pat Michaels that exists is a climatologist that I can find on Wikipedia. Or on on ye old Google. Um, So, yeah. I mean, like, dude doesn't exist. So I think his only movie credit is over-the-top narrator of fake newsreel footage yes. in Atomic Submarine. Which is pretty great, frankly. It actually is, yeah. Um, one of my I guess other it could fa- be the same dude. He was born in February of 1954, or 1950, so, I mean, if he was <laughs> nine, only nine years old. I don't, that doesn't seem to work out. I don't know. Um, we don't know. Maybe he matured real quick. In a very deep voice for a nine-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But all right. I mean, that would explain the descriptions, frankly. All right. They sound a bit like a nine-year-old wrote them. I really... There is... My my hands-down favorite line in this movie, though, uh, is such a perfect piece of writing that does not deserve to be in this movie. Uh, and though, though, honestly, it does, it does sound like something Aaron Sorkin would say, uh, or, or a Sorkin character would say, but I think it's so clever. It's so great. Uh, when, uh, when someone is, is talking to Halloway and, uh, is critiquing him for trying to position himself and, uh, and, uh, Dr. Nielsen as, as on separate sides. And uh, and Halloway's response is, uh, he's all front with no back. How can he have a side? Yeah, no, yeah, is, is just a phenomenal piece of piece of writing. I love it. Yeah, so it's much. A, and that whole that whole exchange is really fascinating because, like, they paint this this doctor this 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 person who has a has gotten a doctorate as somebody who literally just parrots other people's talking points. Yeah. And then like yeah. that, that, that phrase to refer to somebody uh, to, to describe somebody who just parrots other people uh, is, is really a fascinating uh, uh, line to throw out there. It is good. It is good. I mean, it's clearly bullshit uh, right. in the context of the movie. Right. But, uh, but then again, our dude does turn into a, 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 a an avid militarist by the time this is over. So whatever. Right. <laughs> the fascinating thing about a movie that is pro-military that also takes place in a world that is not our own, where there seems to be no need for a military, is really fascinating. Like, right. This is not a. This is as you just you pointed out. This is not liberal Hollywood in the sense that like this is definitely pro-military. <laughs> But it's like pro military in a really weird way, where like it doesn't even actually apply to our universe, which is fascinating, right? Right, right. That's pro military in the idea that, and obviously, alien invasion as stand-in for uh, Russians uh, is is common enough, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, but then to have your alien invasion as a stand-in for Russians in a world where the Russians don't exist doesn't. Yeah isn't as common usually right. the russians are also there like that's usually a thing that in your though in that kind of movie or it's somewhere where the russians would have no influence right where it's like mainland america or something right Whereas and like, of course put in a place where the russians absolutely should be of course i can't th- i also can't think of a, a 50s 60s alien invasion movie where uh when the aliens show up the russians call the u.s to make sure that that the aliens well, aren't right. actually right. No, that's absolutely true. But right. again, that like the whole idea behind that, the whole framing of that is it's mainland America. So right. like the Russians have no. Presumably, the Russians do call, and we just don't find out about it because those movies very rarely actually feature the president. Right. Right. For example. 
Um, so we won't. We would never know. They don't need to deal with that end of things. But yeah, right. Whereas whereas this one is a, is an environment where like there should be Russians, right? It'd yeah. be like we're as close to this movie taking place in Siberia and not having any Russians as you could possibly be. You know what I mean? It's like oh, <laughs> aliens landed in Siberia and it's just all Americans. Like wait, what? I don't uh. understand. Pat Michaels only have free reign of the polar polar ice cap is just wild. It's just a wild thing. So Pat Michaels only credited role is the atomic submarine narrator. Yeah, no, I can't find him anywhere else. Though he did a phenomenal job. Weirdly enough, IMDb has birth and death information for him. Something it doesn't even have. Because there's another Pat Michaels who did like two other movies. Who did a movie called Jeep Herders. This is this is from what I'm seeing, what I'm looking at right now, Pat Michael was born 1925, died 2010. There you um, go. Yeah. That's him. From Superior, Wisconsin. He's an actor known for the atomic submarine and literally nothing else. <laughs> right. Was well, married was, I'm to sure Paul. that was an easy thing to fill out, right? Sure was married that. to Paula, Noah, and Naomi Bowen. This is definitely put up by like his grandson. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. You would too, right? Like, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, if you had a a a, a, a family member who was in a in a movie that was well known enough to even have an IMDb page, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking fill that out. Who is one of the best parts of a movie? That <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that's also a good point, right? Is not not one of the best part. Um, followed very closely behind by the actual alien. Yeah. The taglines for this definitely definitely play into Cold War fears, though. Uh, Our fleet of atomic submarines has disappeared, in quotes is one of them. The screen spectacular inferno of the battle for civilization. Boy, that somebody went a little bit overboard on that yeah. one. When the USA killer subs meet a ruthless power in the icy depths of the polar sea. <laughs> that one's pretty good. That one is pretty good. I like that one. Uh, <laughs> Good on them. <laughs> One of IMDb's listed goofs. There is no, there is no Nobel Prize in oceanography. Well, I don't think that was a goof. I think they just didn't care. Right. I mean, I thought the same thing when I heard the phrase. I was like, well, that's made up. But then again, this is a world where we have a shit ton of nuclear subs. Yeah. Like there in this universe, there could totally be a Nobel Maybe Prize now for there oceanography. Is. Yeah, because again, this is not our universe. This does not take place in our universe. Exactly, exactly. So suck on that, IMDb. Yeah, it's been a while since we brought up IMDb to complain about them. Ever since they <laughs> to, eliminated to, to attack them. Ve- <laughs> Ever since they violently. eliminated the uh, the user comments, it's been a pretty useless. <laughs> yeah, the IMDb never has more information than Wikipedia. Right. Basically. Like, I mean, they have dumb shit like goofs that aren't even goofs. Yeah. Um, but, like, other than that, ever since, you know, they got rid of that, there's, you know, the, the user comments, there's really not much point even going there. In fact, when it shows up on the list before Wikipedia, I'm like, fuck this. And I had to skip over and go to Wikipedia. <laughs> right. It's like, I need actual information. Not whatever this garbage is. Yeah. Basically. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. So it does. Yeah, I, I thought so, but I didn't actually pay attention. It takes place in the future. Yes. Yes. I don't know that it's it's explicitly. It is meant to be an alternative future from nineteen. Right. And I and I thought as much, but I I didn't hear it actually said. Yeah. Outright in the movie, but it totally makes sense because. Yeah. Like yeah, it's it's a future where submarines are taken over, and we've already destroyed the Russians. Right. And and also, we don't care about space travel anymore. Right. Yeah, we're not going to space. It's all about it's all about the ocean now. Even though our enemies are still space creatures. Right. Not not some sort of undersea civilization. Yeah. Anyway, this movie is so much more delightful than last week's offering. Oh, I know. I enjoyed this so much. That the idea, 
the idea that Criterion want us to watch these back to back as a double feature is uh, well, if, unless they want to compare, yeah, they're like, uh, please compare and contrast these two films. Like it's a fucking like homework yeah. project. Um, the score for this uh, is also really great. All the music in this is really great, particularly on the ship, though, uh, on the spaceship. Uh, Alexander Laszlo uh, was the composer and conductor for it. Um, he was hung- Hungarian born, German raised, and moved to Hollywood uh, when Hitler came to power. Um, and basically became a fixture for low budget movies. But uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, like what a what a what a good job though. Like I mean, I'm sure it didn't really, pay very well, but I, I I love the idea that this person like well, I just make. B through D movie soundtracks. Right. That's my thing. Oh, he was also an inventor, Alexander Laszlo. What did he invent? A color organ? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was one thing he was really big into, uh, even even while he's still in Weimar Republic. The uh, the combination of color and sound in like a, almost like Fancy. a synesthesia. I can't say that word. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, he he associated sound with colors, uh, directly related. Um, uh, but it was uh, his idea. It wasn't, or not directly related, rather. I, I meant it. Um, the idea of the color organ was just uh, the colors and the sound worked in unison, but not in any sort of correlation. Uh, mm-hmm. It was very interesting. Um, apparatus for the combination of colored lights, slides, moving, amorphous, and geometrical forms. Yeah. Fascinating. I'd like to see... Unfortunately, when you look up color organ on, on the internet, it's just... That's a, that's a hard road to hoe. It's mostly about people <laughs> building things with LED lights, so... Yeah. It's like, well, that's not really what I was looking for. I'd like to know what he made. But, yeah. Yeah. Bottle, uh, seems to have been a very interesting guy, the composer for this. Um, but yeah, he uh, worked uh, through the 40s and 50s uh, on all kinds of uh, very, very interesting movies. <laughs> yep. Uh, great... I think the the Attack of the Giant Leeches sounds pretty rad. I don't know. The Great Flammarion is a pretty great name. Yeah, I the... saw that. I was not sure what that means. So I was like, mm, yeah. I'm not going to comment. Uh, Beast from Haunted Cave, pretty pretty normal, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah, anyway. Music is great. Laszlo seems like a very interesting guy. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, would love to see his... Uh, yeah, I mean, his it's movie, just the internet's bad. His, because, his, color, uh, his color organ in, in use. Yeah, it's mostly like, with people say, teaching you how to make one, but they seem to be very... Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I think I found one. Yeah. Like page three. Harvard Art Museum. Doesn't appear to be a color organ, but it's something interesting. That's for damn sure. It like uses a bunch of rotating mirrors and stuff. It's really interesting looking. I don't know... They don't have the lights off, so it's not in color. It's all just silver <laughs> pieces moving around, so I don't think that's... Oh, well. Uh, I'll spend a lot of time on this later. Excellent. Report back to me. <laughs> yeah, will do. <laughs> uh, well, I think we could probably pull the Atomic Submarine to a close. Um, it really... It's, it's a very fun movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this. I enjoyed it a lot. I really did. I... Yeah. I, I it is it is a fascinating movie to watch, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I hope the next couple are on par with this rather than the first one. Yeah, the next couple, finishing up Monsters and Mad Men, uh, we'll be watching two Boris Karloff-starring uh, period horror films, uh, The Haunted Strangler and Corridors of Blood, The Haunted Strangler next week, uh, both directed by Robert Day. So we look forward to those. This week, it's been The Atomic Submarine, uh, directed by Spencer G. Bennett. Um yeah, it's just it's a fun movie. So, thank you once again for listening to Lost Criteria. And I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oitari Dorgan. We'll see you next time.
You've been listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edited. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.Bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.